Good evening. Happy Lord's Day. My name is Brian. I'm one of the members here at Bethany, and I have the privilege of bringing God's word to you today. Um, if you can take your Bibles, please turn to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. If you're using one of the Black Pew Bibles in front of you, um, it'll be on page 606. If this is your first time opening up a Bible, Isaiah is the name of the book. The 7 is chapter number, and 14 is a small number that represents the verse number. Um, the 7 will actually be on the previous page, so you won't see that. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. I'll go ahead and read that for us. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for the word that you've given us. May we hear you speak as I preach your words from this book. Pray that uh, you would help me speak with clarity so that everyone who hears might worship you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So for those of you who aren't aware, I'm currently in the process of job searching. After teaching for a couple years, I thought I'd take an opportunity to find another job. I'm young, I have that opportunity to change things. I thought it would be an opportunity for me to better provide for my family. As I transition into another field and apply for jobs, I often have wishful thoughts that a job would solve all my problems, or at least be a catalyst for helping me solve my problems. Like, once I have this job, I'll know what steps I need to take um, in order to get a promotion, in order to head up towards like upward mobility, I'll be able to support my family, buy a house, have good food, live comfortably, and if the Lord wills, I can go on missions without financial concern, knowing that my job might translate better wherever I go. And yet, I know, and I have to remind myself constantly, that a job won't solve all my problems. I should know this, I've had this thought multiple times in my life, and I wonder if you have too. When I was in high school, I thought that a good college would catapult me into the American dream. When I was single, I thought that marriage would settle everything I need to know about love. Neither did what I thought they would. And isn't that the truth that comes with living? <coughs> when you place your hope in what the world has to offer, your hope will fail you. In our passage, we find that the Lord offers an alternative. And the main point of today's message is this. Place your hope in the Lord, because He is powerful and present. Place your hope in the Lord, because He is powerful and present. In Isaiah chapter 7, we uh, are, find ourselves in the middle of a story involving King Ahaz, who is currently the king of Judah. The king of Aram, a neighboring nation, and the king of Israel had just gone to besiege the, uh, the Israelites currently in Judah. And they had just failed. Isaiah the prophet let Ahaz know that God would not let Jerusalem fall, and that Ahaz could ask for any sign for confirmation. Ahaz's response in verse 12 is, I will not ask. 
I will not test the Lord. When I first read that, I was thinking, man, this guy must be so faithful. He doesn't need any sign from the Lord. If I were him, I probably would have asked for God to like rain fire down on all of my enemies, to make these nations fight each other, to go away or something. And he's like, nah, it's okay, I'm good. But actually, Ahaz had no intent of being faithful at all. I'll go ahead and read the historical account of what happened in 2 Kings 16, 5-9. You don't have to turn there, I'll just read that. Then Aram's king Rezin and Isaiah's king Pekah, son of Remaliah, came to wage war against Jerusalem. They besieged Ahaz, but were not able to conquer him. At that time, Aram's king Rezin recovered Elath for Aram and expelled the Judahites from Elath. Then the Arameans came to Elath, and they still live there today. So Ahaz sent messengers to King Tiglath Pileser of Assyria, saying, I am your servant and your son. March up and save me from the grasp of the king of Aram and of the king of Israel, who are rising up against me. Ahaz also took the silver and gold found in the Lord's temple and in the treasuries of the king's palace and sent them to the king of Assyria as a bride. So the king of Assyria listened to him and marched up to Damascus and captured it. He deported his people to cure and put resin to death. We find that Ahaz placed his hope in political powers instead of the Lord. And we know what happens to Judah as a nation. It doesn't exist today. Assyria caused their destruction. Now, do you place your trust in what the world has to offer? Do you put your hopes in wealth, stability, maybe a lover, piety, or fame? Continue listening, and I want you to reconsider that. Now, the Lord still gave a sign, even though Ahaz didn't want one. Even though Ahaz didn't trust him, he still gave the sign of, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. But why this sign? How is a virgin conceiving and having a son and naming him something going to protect Judah against Israel and Aram? It's just a person, and it's just a name, isn't it? When we take a closer look, we find that God is actually demonstrating his power and his presence. Let's look at the prophecy in two halves. The virgin will conceive and have a son, and name him Emmanuel. A virgin will conceive and have a son. For those of you who are unsure of where babies come from, there needs to be a man and a woman for conception. So the idea that a virgin could become pregnant would be absurd. Or it would be God's own doing. God is saying here that he is in control and that his hand is at work. God is demonstrating his power by doing the impossible, what one human could never do. We have no control of whether or not a child will be a boy or a girl. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that think that if they really, really want a daughter, they could eat certain foods, maybe exercise or not exercise. But unfortunately, genetics shows us that it's a matter of probability. Punnett scores. So, when Isaiah's prophecy states that a virgin will have a son, we see God promising his power. God is going to do something that we can't. And we can trust in our God because he is powerful. The second half of the prophecy is to name him Emmanuel. Now, Emmanuel means God with us. We sang that um, earlier today, O come upon Emmanuel. 
God is promising his presence. Now, throughout the Old Testament, God's presence cared for his people. So we find how he gave the whole garden to Adam and Eve. He provided Abraham with a son. And for the Israelites, as they wandered in the desert, he constantly provided sustenance. And he gave them a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He established David's kingdom and won wars for him. His enemies faced his wrath and were ultimately never victorious. And now this prophecy promises that God would not only be present, but that he would be with his people in the flesh. This prophecy was given as a sign for Ahaz. He didn't trust in God's promise that he would deliver Jerusalem. Instead, he went to the Assyrians for help. And God's promise here is that he is greater, he is more powerful than the Assyrians, and that he is more present than the political pressures around Ahaz. Now, we know that this prophecy also pointed further ahead. 700 years later, Jesus, born of a virgin, son of God, and yet God himself in the flesh walked among us. Matthew calls back to Isaiah chapter 7 in the first <coughs> chapter of his gospel retelling. In chapter 1, But after he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. Our Savior, Jesus, was also Emmanuel, God walking among, the, among us in the flesh. This Jesus Emmanuel, our Savior and God with us, came to the world to do what we could not. Now, we're all sinners, like the Israelites. We look away from injustice, we ignore holiness, disobey God, and do what we want to. It only takes the slightest sin to cover us in the stain of sin. Now, and no matter how much we try, how much good we do, how much we pray, we can't wash out the sin, the stain of sin. But Jesus, by living a perfect life and dying on the cross, bore the punishment of our sin. He suffered the full wrath of God so that we don't have to. While this prophecy was a sign to Ahaz to trust in the Lord, Jesus is the sign to all humanity, including us, to trust in him. He's a demonstration of God's saving power and is literally God's presence. Now, those of you who are not convinced of Jesus' saving power, what more do you need? Ahaz chose to trust, to place his trust in what the world had to offer, and his nation crumbled. As you place your trust in money, knowledge, love, good deeds, and rituals, you're refusing to trust in the Lord, and you will die. The Bible says, it makes it very clear that you will die. You will end up in the eternal lake of fire, and you will suffer. Don't be like Ahaz. Trust in the Lord. We're all deserving of God's wrath. We were all enemies of God because we sin. It's in our nature. Yet God, rich in love and mercy, sent his son to die on the cross. He paid his price for our sin, or paid the price for our sin. God is asking you to repent, 
and turn to Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior and treasure. If you'd like to learn more, talk through this, ask questions, feel free to talk to me, talk to any of the members here. There's nothing we would enjoy more than to walk with you through that. And those of you who are tired Christians, maybe your fire and passion you've had just seems to be a smoldering wick. It's almost completely died out. Maybe you're doubting whether or not it's worth it to trust in this promise. You feel weak against the pressures of the world. You don't have to be strong because God is strong. And perhaps what's even more comforting is that he is with us. Matthew began his gospel with the fulfillment of the prophecy and ends with Jesus' words of everlasting comfort and command. All authority of heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. As I continue searching for a job, I often reflect on what I'm actually looking for. There's a lot of doubt as I consider whether or not I made the right decision to look for other work when I had a stable job with good benefits as a teacher in a good neighborhood. I rethink my college years and decisions and consider whether or not I made the right decision to commit to my college campus ministry instead of focusing on my duties and my calling to be a student. The uncertainty of whether or not I'll be able to find work still makes me anxious. Our lives are full of these uncertainties and regrets. And yet I remind myself of what is certain and what sure and steady anchor I can place my eternal hope in. When Jesus came to our world 2,000 years ago, we received the ultimate sign of Emmanuel, God with us. While the Israelites waited for the coming Emmanuel, we wait for the coming kingdom. We will be reunited with our Lord, and he will reign victorious over all. And with this comfort, God is sending us out to bring others into his fold and to share this promise to all nations. That's what we celebrate in this season. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. As we reflect on your coming this season, may we remember that you, God, descended because you wished to walk among us and redeem us. That you sent your son, Jesus, to walk among us and redeem us. We pray that we would be reminded of the gospel and your saving grace. May your kingdom come, your will be done, on here on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.